Let Lita take you on a journey of faith, life, travel, and interior design. Take your life out of the status quo and into 2020. Status Life with Lita is brought to you by Status Home Design and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Hello and welcome to Status Life with Lita on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting instead of live today. Well, we are live, but instead of being the studio, we're broadcasting remotely to practice our, our best social distancing. Normally, we would be at the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio in the Synastic Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. Today, as I said, we're all remote. On every episode of Status Life with Lita, we take you on a journey of faith, life, travel, and interior design. We want to take your life out of the status quo and into 2020. My name is Derek Hayes, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of the show, Lita Brooks. Good afternoon, Lita. Hello, and good afternoon. Well, before we begin today, I want to take a moment to give you a quick reminder that Status Life with Lita is brought to you by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs, and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Well, let's get started. Today's show is a very, very special show in the sense that uh, we're going to dive deep into the coronavirus. I know everybody's well aware of what we're dealing with, not only in, a, in our country, but on a, a worldwide basis. And having said that, Lita is, is one of those that has now gone through corona. She's experienced it and has quite the story to tell. So we're going to spend today's show going in depth with her and, and learn about her experience. So with that in mind, Lita, tell everyone listening first about what your initial symptoms were when, when you realized you had something going on. Okay. One thing that you just said, special. Do, do I feel special now? Because uh, I've now had the coronavirus. <laughs> it, it's like you walk around with a big neon sign above your head that says, I've had corona. I've had corona. And I'm telling you, people are afraid of me. It's like I have the plague. And I understand. And we're going to get way more in depth about the fears and the challenges with this. But special is not a word that I have used to describe the coronavirus. So I love that. He's been through it here with me. So, all right, let's go from the beginning. You know, where did my symptoms begin? And the first thing I can tell you is I woke up, it was a Monday morning and I was very uncomfortable with body aches. So that was my very first symptom. And I was very tired. I uh, had gotten good sleep the night before, but just, you know, when you just don't feel right, I, I was moving around with the kids all day. And of course we were already on quarantine at, at that point. This was March, uh, March 23rd to be specific. And I just, I didn't feel right the entire day. My kids and I uh, just trying to get their schoolwork done. I kept dozing off. So I was, I was very fatigued and I fell asleep on accident while I was reading with my kids and I slept three hours. I woke up about five o'clock in the afternoon and I'm not much of a napper. So that was that was different to sleep three hours in the middle of the day. And when I woke up from that nap, I had a low grade fever. So those are three of the symptoms that they talk about for Corona. And because Corona is here and it is a part of our world, I immediately went to anxiety. I didn't like the way I was feeling. Called you, Derek, very upset. Didn't know what to do. And I also had a lot of brain fog, right? I'm at this point running a fever with body aches just waking up from a three hour nap and I really needed a, a smart brain. What do I do? Who do I call? You don't want to go to the doctor, but yet 
I think I need medical attention. You found me a phone number. Yeah, actually, it was it was kind of a quick thing to do. I Googled coronavirus in Georgia, and there is a hotline that you can call to. It has to be the person that's suffering the symptoms. Uh, you can call for them, but they still want to talk directly to that person. So having called that hotline, they said, well, here's the number for your person to call. And as soon as they call, we can go through what they're they're dealing with at this moment and make the determination if they need to actually physically come here and have a test. So I relate all that info to you. So you call, you go through the questionnaire, you get a nurse right away. I was very pleased with this process. Very efficient is the best word I can use. And, you know, you call, you go through the nurse that I spoke with said, uh, yes, you need to go. And they sent me to and I live in Braselton. And those of you listening around the United States, it's just a nearby uh, hospital, a very large hospital. That's probably right around the corner from my house. They are set up outside. It is just like you see on the news where you drive up. They immediately put a mask on you. They started with a flu test based on my symptoms. And you, that you just sit in your car and it's 20 minutes to wait while you're waiting that 20 minutes, then you get the exam from the doctor. So a doctor in full mask and protective gear comes over, talk to me, talk through my symptoms. And, and that was through your car window, through my car window. You, you never even stand up. And so again, you're in protective gear, what they put on you, they're in protective gear and you're sitting in your car and he listened to my lungs and he said, I had at that moment, so this is day one of symptoms, I had lazy lungs is how he called it. And after listening to them, he said, my lungs were at 70% capacity. So that was pretty scary. And he nodded. He looked at me and kind of nodded and said, this looks like Corona to me. And I said, okay. And of course, anxiety through the roof. Didn't want any of this to be happening. But he said, you know, it's going to be three to five days for your test results. It wasn't. And we'll get to that as we move through my Corona story. But he knew that I I probably had it in that moment. And I want to stress, too, that was back on March 23rd. So I know the testing procedures have evolved a little bit, but ultimately that's how it was done then. And, And as you said, we'll go deeper into the how long it took for those results. But with that in mind, just let's talk a little bit about how your symptoms progressed. What happened after that initial visit to the the urgent care facility and the drive up testing. What what were the symptoms after that? How did it move forward? It was seven days of the exact same. So it didn't progress into a lot of severity within that first seven days. My fever never got over a hundred. So there are, I've seen different things with symptoms, high fever. I never had that. So I, I am one telling you, I ended up testing positive and I never had a fever over a hundred, but I had body aches, fatigue, you know, the brain fog that comes with all of that extreme fatigue. I mean, I barely wanted to move. And I say that because my kids were in the house here and I'm trying to do their school and what they're calling distance learning. It was excruciating. I couldn't even sit up in a chair and try to help them with their schoolwork. I would lay on the floor and just help them. So that kind of fatigue, just extremely exhausted, constant body aches. And, you know, we were trying to play games and do puzzles. And I couldn't even sit over a puzzle. My back hurt the whole time. I kept complaining like, oh, this is miserable. So very tired. It did at that point, I had some sinus trouble. And that really put me in denial about it being Corona. So I'm, I'm back in the first seven days of having this. 
and pollen was at an all-time high. I've never had an allergy to anything in my life, but I'm thinking maybe this isn't a Corona. I'm having sinus trouble. I'm blowing my nose, my ears. There was a couple of days my ears were, were throbbing and that could have been allergies affecting me on top of Corona. Right. And we're, we're together during the course of this, we're together nonstop. And I was suffering allergies. I am someone who will let pollen get a hold of me and not let go. And so you and I had some of the same symptoms, but yours were absolutely more severe than mine were uh, and, and a lot of other symptoms that, that you were going through. But also, too, I know lots of people suffer from anxiety issues. And having said that, I noticed while caring for you during this time, the fear and, and really that anxiety amped up big time. This is really important to talk about because what you see on the news, Corona I've gone through it. It is scary. It is scary what you see on the news and it is scary when you are sick and you don't know what's wrong. And honestly, when I found out what was wrong, it got worse. There's a little bit of denial before you get your test results back and the hope that I didn't have this terrible virus. I have suffered with anxiety disorder, panic attacks in my life. I was a very young teenager when I went through it with some severity. It has been under control. I'm now in my 40s. So anxiety is not something that affects me on a daily basis. I'm not medicated or anything like that. But I am telling you, my anxiety went to level 10 having this coronavirus. And a lot of people around me, you, you can just feel this sense of panic telling people I'm sick, it just flooded with people that want to help, but also the fear that this has instilled in everyone. It, it's just, it's a really tough thing to go through. But specific to the anxiety, I didn't want to sleep. And when you are that fatigued and, and we've only gotten to day seven of my journey, but moving into the second week when I really got sick is when all I needed to do was sleep. And yet I was terrified to go to sleep. That was, that was tough. What is happening to percentage of people who have Corona, they need a respirator. And they talk about gasping. And the doctor in that moment, when I was explaining that visit, the first visit, when we're standing there through my car window, he said, do not lay flat. You need to sleep in a recliner. You need to sleep propped up. Do not lay your lungs flat. And he said, do not go to bed if you are gasping. Okay, this is the doctor. And I was terrified of that. I was terrified to let my body completely shut off and go to sleep and need air. Wake up in that panic moment where I could not get air. That is terrifying. It so, is absolutely terrifying. So it's kind of a combination of the fear of the known and the fear of the unknown. The fear of the known is what you hear about Corona and the uh, things that are all over the news and, and the number of people with it, the number of deaths. And the fear of the unknown is, do I really have it? I don't have my test results. Uh, and, and it's still just a, a waiting game. Yes. And once the results came in, the anxiety got worse. I have it. Now I'm really waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so I'm going to pause right here. I'm going to turn it. I'm going to put you in the hot seat. Tell me the truth. Were you scared? Yes. Again, it's the same thing. I'm not someone, thankfully, who has an issue with anxiety, at least not to the same level, but I did have the fear of the known and the fear of the unknown. I knew what your symptoms were. I knew that the symptoms you complained of, the difficulty breathing, the coughing, those kind of things were exactly what they talked about with Corona. So there is the fear of the, the known and, and what you're going through. And the fear of the unknown is, 
does she really have it? Is she going to wind up going to the hospital and knowing that they're saying people who go to the hospital, their family, their friends, their, their loved ones many times can't go with them and they send them in an ambulance and, and unfortunately never see them again. Now I, I was praying very regularly and as much as I could about your symptoms and your recovery and, and with faith trying to get through that. But there is always still the what if game and your brain goes to the what if game. So kind of to move ahead a little bit, I know the doctor called you, I think it was day 11, if I remember right, it was almost close to the end of the second week where you'd been suffering those symptoms. So when he called, how did you feel in in that moment? What were your symptoms? What were you going through? And then also too, were you relieved to finally hear from the doctor? Did it give you some, okay, now the fear of the unknown, I do know for sure. I've got some confirmation. For me, started by saying when I was at the doctor the first time, they told me three to five days to get test results. And day 11, I finally got the call. That is a long time to be fighting this disease, to be sitting in that pocket of terrible anxiety. And after day seven, I really took a turn for the worse. That second week, it just happened to roll over. That was a Monday. So I have a very clear timeline of how this happened. That's when it moved into my chest. And that's when, with a lot of certainty, not even having the test results back, I knew that I had it. It is that elephant that sits on your chest that they talk about. The heaviness, really starting to get that shortness of breath. It hurt to get a really nice, big, deep breath. A lot of coughing, and it was a dry cough. Every time I would move around, I would cough. The only time that I had relief from the pain in my chest and from the cough was to lay in my bed, elevated, perfectly still. That is the only thing I could do. So I have two little kids in this house and I cannot physically move. I am tired. I am scared. I don't want to cough. I don't want to gasp for breath. So I'm laying in my bed, almost like a vampire, just half propped up for days and days on end. And I'm just nodding off. I can barely stay awake. That was challenging. So that's where we really ended up moving from about day seven to day 11. What happened, and I found out this from the nurse, I kept calling from about day five, day seven, day nine. Does anybody have my test result? Why haven't I been told? Where's my test? They told me that 10,000 tests went to LabCorp between March 22nd and March 25th. Well, and mine was the 23rd, 10,000 tests. So the delay was the lab was just inundated with tests and they couldn't, they couldn't keep up. So it took 11 days. I do know that they are not sending the tests to LabCorp anymore, especially in my area. Again, people may be listening to this from all different regions of the United States. That's all going to be very individual to your hospitals and your doctors. I can only speak from here in Metro Atlanta they are now testing inside the hospital, but they wouldn't retest me. Right. She right. said, now when I called about day seven, she said, oh, now it's only taking 24 hours. I said, well, can I come get another test? And they said, no, there's not enough tests. I even asked about testing Derek because he's here with me in close quarters caring for me and he's not showing any symptoms. And she said, no, they, are only, they only have tests for people who show symptoms and are sick and the medical professionals. So I had to wait on my test results. Moving back towards your question, we're talking about day 11, and that's when I found out that I had the test. Right, so when the doctor called you, do you recall exactly what he said? Yeah, he said, well, I'm gonna tell you that your corona test tested positive. And in that moment, 
there was no relief. It was like, well, I mean, it was almost a shrug of the shoulders. That's what I said. That was the first words out of my mouth. I figured because as sick as I have been really moving from day seven to day 11, those four days, that's when I really took a turn for the worse. Well, now that you've got the knowledge, now that he said, okay, fine, we've confirmed it, you have it. What was his advice to you from there? <laughs> it was funny. He was celebrating. He was very rah-rah. He said, you did it. Congratulations. He says, congratulations. You've had Corona. That is the most odd thing anyone could say in that moment. It's not what you think. He wasn't gloom and doom where you're giving someone the news. They have this deadly virus. He said, because it had been 11 days, congratulations, you've beat it. You beat your pandemic. You're through it. And again, he was so positive and upbeat. And you're telling someone, but again, it's where I was in the time frame. Right, He's right. telling me this. He asked me my symptoms. He asked me when I had had the last fever. And I had had the last fever on night seven. I had gone to bed with body aches and a low-grade fever had come back. Now, I'm at day 11. So let's talk about the time frame. He said, you are no longer contagious three days after your last fever. So my last fever was a Sunday night. That Wednesday, I was no longer contagious. This is now Friday that he's calling. So I'm even two days past being contagious to anyone. So that's why he, in his mind, was saying, you're done. You've beat this. You're good to go. So I didn't feel like that. I will tell you, even getting off the phone, because I was still so sick, this still had a hold of my lungs. This was still sitting in my chest. I was not celebrating. I was not mentally through this yet. And it definitely still got worse well, before it got that, better. That Wednesday before you got the call on Thursday, that Wednesday, which would have been, you had the test on the 23rd. So the following Wednesday, that was one of your toughest days yeah. dealing with it. That, that was a day that you called me almost gasping for air a little bit. You um, know what? It wasn't me that called well, you. Actually, you're right. It wasn't you. It was your eight-year-old. She called She me. was terrified. She said, mom is having a tough time breathing. And she was in the bed with you. And, and I could barely hear you in the background as she was crying and talking to me. And so I immediately came here to, to take care of you. But that was, that was the day before you got the call to say, you've had it. Now you've beaten it. The last symptom uh, we haven't talked about yet is the headaches. And this is something that was very real for me. Anyone that's ever suffered migraines or any type of severe headache knows how debilitating they can be. So I'm dealing with a cough. I'm dealing with chest pain. I'm dealing with fatigue. The fever and the body aches were gone. This floored me. And in that, yes, was the day that no one ever wants to go through with their child. I didn't want her to see this. She's eight years old. This has been terrifying for her. You know, we're all quarantined and it's very real when one of the parents gets sick from this. And for her, again, going back to that moment of crying and having to call Derek for help. So we get through it. I'm talking about the headaches. My body, and I'm saying this in case some of you can relate, when you get a migraine, that a lot of times that is your, you get a migraine after your body has released a ton of stress, whether it's job stress, physical stress, which would be an illness, emotional stress. My body was fighting Corona. And I know this because I am a kidney donor. And it was about two days after I had given the kidney and I was still in the hospital recovering, my body produced a migraine. That was physical stress on my body. And that is how my body manifests stress. It, it gives me a migraine. 
when I got the migraine right at the tail end of Corona, that was my body fighting a disease. It produces a migraine. It, and again, I didn't have my results at this point. So that was another kind of validation for me at that point of how sick I was. So if, if you are prone to migraines and you're fighting this, it's probably coming. So again, I'm telling anyone my symptoms, whether you're going to go through this, you have gone through this, or at this point, you know somebody going through Corona, I feel like this is all very relevant. It's not quite the grand finale you want to have gone through Corona. Congratulations. Well, here's your mind. Oh, I was horribly sick because with that level of headache and pain, it makes me nauseous. I mean, this is gross, but I'm here to talk to you guys about it. I can't move. I'm so sick. I can't even get to the restroom to physically get sick. So here I am doubled over in my bed, pounding, splitting headache, coughing, can't breathe. I don't want to throw up because I've got a virus in my chest. Like you right. cannot imagine that level of being sick. And, and kind of moving a little bit ahead. I know that when you did hear from the doctor, they went through, or he went through the, the confirmation of Corona. Then you also spoke to a nurse on the phone. And this was kind of the irony of this. It was after you had gone through 11, 12 days of this, they finally give you a list of things, which of course, back on March 23rd, they may not have known some of these things, but talk about the list of things they, they told you about that they recommend to help get through Corona. This would have been much more helpful on day one. I would think so. I don't know why it was not until day 15 that a nurse finally told me everything that I needed, but here's the list. Gatorade. She said, you need a ton of electrolytes. And some of this is common sense, but write it down. Okay. This is the list of what you can do. If you have Corona, get some Gatorade. She said, drink tons and tons of water. Seems like a no brainer, but she said, you want the mucus in your lungs. The more water you drink, the looser the mucus will be. She said, they want a rattly loose. Is that a word? Rattly. Yeah, they want a, a loose cough because if it's not a loose cough, if it's a tight cough, it's that virus really stuck in your lungs. And that's not what they want. They want a nice loose cough that you're getting rid of it. Get a dehumidifier, nasal spray, vitamin C and cough medicine and Tylenol. You're not taking Advil. Tylenol is the best drug. Right. And then the key to that, it's not a cure to it. Obviously, it's just a way of helping you try and, and get through the symptoms and, and make them a little bit less severe than they may be otherwise. And that's all great advice, but it would have been much better, as you said, on day one, not day 15. So with that in mind, I, I want to talk about one of the statistics that just blew me away. When you talked to the doctor on the phone, you called me after that and you talked about an 80% statistic. So I don't want to steal the thunder. I want you to tell what that 80% statistic was. This was really interesting. And the reason this came up was talking about Derek and him being right next to me the entire time, caring for me and my children. They had no symptoms. And he said 80% of people can have and will have Corona and never show any symptoms. So because when I came down and started showing symptoms, Derek was right here with me. We have to assume he has it or had it right at this point, we're both way past it and not contagious anymore, but 80% of people. So what the numbers you're seeing on the news, 80% higher, they're just not sick. What you're seeing on the news is people who have been tested because they showed some kind of symptoms. So yeah. that's big numbers. And the craziness of that is if hundred percent of the population was tested, then as you said, our numbers would be 80% higher than what they are. And I can speak to the fact that I had never had a symptom through the entire course of this, even though they're convinced I had it, 
I never showed one symptom at all anywhere close to what you had, nothing. And so, yeah, that is crazy. We don't know what made me get sick with Corona and Derek not. We we have no idea. It could be because I'm a kidney donor. Uh, The nurse mentioned that when I called on day 15. I, I still wasn't feeling well. That's what put me on the phone with her. I thought I was having a setback. I thought because this is a 14 day quarantine that you hear on the news, you read about 14 days. And I thought, ta-da, I'm at 14 days. I woke up on day 14, I had a little bit of energy, kind of felt like I was getting the wind in my sails, no pun intended. And by six o'clock that night, I was flat on my back on the sofa, couldn't lift a finger, completely exhausted. I woke up the next morning with that dull headache again. I just went, oh, it's again, coughing. It was still lingering. And my friends who I love dearly, everyone in my life, everyone's panicking. There's so much fear tied to this virus. I cannot tell you how many people texted me. You need to get tested again. Sending me places to go get tested. Call the doctor. You're relapsing. People aren't surviving the relapse. I mean, everybody just went to level 10 fear. So I called the nurse. You don't want to listen to that noise. And that's the best thing I can tell you. The first time I was with the doctor that night when he's in talking to me through the car, he said, turn off the news. The only place you should be getting information on Corona, statistics, symptoms, treatment is the CDC. The nurse and the doctors were there getting all of their information, the World Health Organization and the CDC. That is it. The nightly news, I'm sorry if there's any broadcasters listening to me. I'm not trying to take away your ratings, but that is meant to provoke fear. And I'm telling you from going through this, thank you to everyone who sent videos, but a lot of them weren't worth watching because they're for ratings and they're putting information out there to be fear-based. Go to the CDC talk to your doctor. And what my doctor told me was to turn off the news. Great advice. Absolutely. Well, one more point. I want to move on to something completely different. Now that you're 17 days or day 17 of the virus and recovery, how are you feeling now? I think you thought you had a setback a couple of days ago. So talk about the 17 day point and then also how you were feeling a couple of days ago with a setback. So I wasn't having a setback. The nurse confirmed that here's what she said sounds very dramatic, but this was her words to me. She said, you have just gone to war. She said, your body has fought a tremendous battle with this virus and you are completely exhausted. She said, it is a very slow recovery. At this point, day 17, I can tell you, I only feel 10% better each day. Let's put a number on it. It is not a snap of your fingers at that day 14, like I was hoping If I do a little too much, I'm still taking a nap, but I I do feel better. I'm up, I'm taping this podcast, I'm talking. This is more than I was doing maybe a week, a week and a half ago. 10% better each day. I lied. I said I had one final question, but I do have one more, one more, I think really important. Something that the doctor told you about now that you and, and apparently I have both gone through this, we can never get it again. We're no longer contagious and we're now one of those that, that it's good to be around because we can't give it to you and we can't get it. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So when he called with my results and I told you he was that rah, rah, congratulations, you beat it. He said, I, I am now completely immune. He said, it's almost like the chickenpox virus in that once you have it, you can never get it again. And, you know, I, I said that to someone and of course people are watching the news. I'm going with what the doctors are saying. I'm holding on to that. 
someone said, oh yeah, but what if this morphs? I don't know. The doctors, they're not saying that, that if you get this and you beat it, you are now immune. So now we have armor on. Exactly. And that goes back to the news and the hype and the fear-based reporting sometimes that makes you think, okay, this is as bad as it can get. And, And it is, but sometimes a little bit different advice you get from the actual doctor's that are dealing with this on, on the front lines. All right, let's move on. I want to talk about your kids for a minute. I know they're eight and 11. Let's talk about how they handled this. You know, we could spend an entire show on this and maybe I will, you know, this is status life with Lita. We talk about life. I'm here, you know, as a resource and, and I should say that we're going to get into my kids, but as I'm talking about why I'm going through my story, feel free to reach out. I've had a lot of people use Facebook to send me messages and questions I'm putting this story out there because I've been through it. Now, like many of you, I am a mom and I have two kids that have walked through this with me and watched me be that sick and the stress that it has put on my kids. Oh, it is heartbreaking to see the anxiety on their faces, to watch them have to see their mom. They, they know why they're out of school. They've heard the newscast. They, they, know that they're not going back to school. They, they hear what Corona is and to see a loved one, the sick is terrifying for children. So my daughter, she shows anxiety a lot different from my son. She's very outspoken. She's had a lot of tears, a lot of outbursts, doesn't even look like anxiety because anxiety in a child, they don't know how to process. They don't know how to tell you what's wrong. know how to have tantrums and cry and stomp their feet. My son internalizes it. He goes within, he's very withdrawn. He actually uh, has a diagnosed anxiety disorder and, and takes anxiety medicine. So it looks completely different, anxiety for my son and anxiety for my daughter. And you and I are a couple, but we don't live together. So I was here through a good bit of this with you and, and obviously saw it. Plus, I recall specifically a conversation we had in the driveway early on as you were dealing with this and specifically your daughter. We, we had her talking about what you were going through and, and she just fell apart trying to comprehend exactly what mom was dealing with. Oh, she was hysterical. I asked her in that moment, I said, are you scared of Corona? And she just shrugged her shoulders and said, no, I'm fine. And I said, are you sad about school? And she looked at me and just burst into tears. And, you know, this was interesting. Derek's a guy and he would love to just breeze through pain. And I said, no, 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 no. Let her cry. Let her get this out. You've got to go through it. You've got to let them get it out. And maybe I just know this inherently as a woman, like give us that moment. Let us cry. Let us be sad because that's the only way she's going to feel better. And we just held her and, and I just let her cry and cry and cry. And, and it did, it, it took the pain out of that moment. And then she grabbed her bike and, and was able to move forward, but it, she, it was building. And that's what this has been for the kids. It builds and they are scared and taking, I I call it taking a spoon and and getting in there and asking the hard questions and, and finding out how, what's really going on in their little brains. And you're right. I remember she crawled up in your lap in your chair and just put her head on your shoulder and cried for a little bit. And then it was, it was done. And as you said, she rode off on her bicycle again. Well, let's talk a little bit more too, because right now, not only we're dealing with the coronavirus and the isolation and the, the social distancing, those kind of things, but you're also having to be a teacher. Because now the kids are doing school from home. And I know that you've developed a schedule. I've seen it. 
it's terrific because it gives structure. And I want you to talk a little bit about that schedule. I had to do this because of the anxiety. And I hope some moms can relate to this. I had a personal setback with Corona. So we've been out of school, what, three, four weeks now. So there are are moms that maybe you've already implemented a schedule and that's great. Maybe you're still kind of floating in space. Maybe you're seeing your kids act out. But the reason I wanted to bring this up on the show is because this is what I did that has worked. And I had to give my kids the ability to feel like they were in control and they love their school schedule. They know exactly where they're at during what time of day. The schedule now that we're home, it is a little bit looser. I'm not saying this where I gave them a very tight regimented schedule, but we had to build in time to get the schoolwork done. We had to build in time to exercise. They just, even though all these things were getting done, the fact that nobody really knew where they were in time and space, that was producing more anxiety in my children. And I'm trying to help them in the best way that I can. And the best way that I know how to do this is to put a schedule, to print it out, to put it on the bulletin board, and they can say, okay, it's my turn for school. Now we exercise. Come on, mom, it's lunchtime. They know where they are in their day. And on for two children, having anxiety and acting out, it was the best thing that I could do. Oh, and an eight and 11 year old, for sure. Absolutely. Structure is the best thing in the world. And, and it's been terrific. And I, I actually... We've looked at that schedule. You've shown it to me. It's great. Let's start with the basic. What time do you begin in the morning with your schedule? Well, I'll go through this real quickly. And I say that I know we're on the podcast here and going through, you know, the ins and outs of my day. While it's fantastic, let me tell you where to find this. And what I've done, I've put this up on the blog, statuslifewithlita.com. And you can find it. Look for daily schedule. So I've got one daily schedule. Print this one out. This is the one that I've broken my time. And if you like the way that I've done my time blocks, there's one that is blank. So you can print mine out just to use as a guide or or don't print it. Use that one as the guide and use the blank one and you fill it in for yourself. Clearly, our children's names are not the same. So I didn't want to put one up there that you couldn't use as a working schedule. But I myself, like many parents out there, I am still working. The store, unfortunately, is closed, but I have an upcoming blog. I tape a podcast. I have an online store. We are still doing curbside pickups and local front porch deliveries with store merchandise. You know, all of my businesses are still running and I've got to have time to carve out for me. So I wake up at eight and from eight to 10, that is my work time. If the kids wake up during that time, that's great. They, you know, are kind of lazing around, grabbing their tablets and their TV shows. 10 to 1030 is breakfast. We start school at 1030 and that begins with my son. He is in fifth grade and he has a lot more work than she does. She begins at 1130. So from 1030 to 1230, they're doing school at 1230 to one. So a 30 minute break. uh, We have a snack. And they don't usually need lunch by then because we've had a late breakfast. And by one, my son goes back to school. By two, we finish up with my daughter. She's only in second grade. Her school does not take near as long. But I have to carve this out, A, so they're accountable. But B, it's for me. I have to sit with them. My kids are little. You know, some of you listening that have middle school and high school, 
that is fantastic. But for us moms whose kids are little and you still have to be over their shoulder monitoring, this schedule is for you. From 2.30 to 3, we shut it down, myself included. We all grab a book. We all hit the sofa. They have to do 30 minutes of reading per day. So that is our scheduled reading time. And after reading, kids are done. I got to go back to work. It's now three o'clock. They can have lunch. Again, everything is a little bit later, late breakfast, late lunch, late dinner, but it works for us. So from three to five, kids are on break. Uh, they're ready to be on break. Gives me two more hours to make calls and work. Five to six, we exercise. We get out, we go for a walk. Six to eight is play outside. It has been so beautiful here in the South. We do chores, but it's, it's scheduled. And oh, I cannot tell you how much this helps. 8 to 8.30 is dinner and we're done. 8.30 to whenever they fall asleep is, is so. It's not a tight schedule, but I'm telling you it works. I went through it pretty quickly. Go to my website, use it as a guide, print out the blank one and send me feedback. If this schedule really works for you, I would love to hear it. It, it has made a world of difference in my life. Yeah, I strongly encourage everyone to go to the blog and, as you said, print that schedule out, fill in the blanks and make their own, especially with kids elementary school and even middle school age. It's terrific. Tell everyone, too, how to find all your social media platforms, your website. And, of course, real quick, I know the store is closed, but tell them how they can still uh, uh, look at the online merchandise. Absolutely. Go to Facebook. Status Home Design is the store. We're posting daily videos, items for sale, items of the day. There's plenty of content going up with great merchandise that you can purchase. Our true online store is thestatusmarket.com. That's been great. Glad that was up and running before this pandemic hit. Tons of home decor, all status merchandise. But Status Home Design is where my vendor booths are. So if you like those one-of-a-kind items, things you're not going to find anywhere else, go to Facebook. It's fun to watch the videos. And we're having really great sales. If you live around Atlanta, again, we're doing curbside pickup Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You're able to go to the store, pull up to the curb, and we'll toss merchandise in your vehicle. So that's been a great resource. We are on Instagram. So all the social media channels, status home design the online store, The Status Market, and me, my blog, my podcast, Status Life with Lita. I've also got all the social media channels. So anything status related, you can find us all over social media. Tons of content still going out. So give us likes, give us follows. We appreciate it. And again, reach out. I'm still answering design questions. We're doing things virtually. And I can talk about Corona. If you have questions and you want to go into this part of my journey, that's what I'm here for. Terrific. That, that's absolutely wonderful advice. And also, too, it's Lita, L-E-T-A. I think somebody <laughs> thought it was L-I-T-A. It was L-E-T-A. It's not Lita either, okay? Yeah. We joke about that here in the South. Leader, Lita, it's yeah, Lita. There's no R at the end. It's not leader. It's mm -hmm. L-E-T-A. Well, thanks. As I said from the beginning, a very special episode of Status Life with Lita. Thanks for joining us. This is presented by Status Home Design and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Status Life with Lita. This program is also available in your favorite podcast app. Until next time, for Lita Brooks, I'm Derek Hayes, and you've been listening to Status Life with Lita on Business Radio X. <laughs>